welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to The Ralph Report. It is Monday. However, I am on vacation, but I didn't want to leave you hanging with nothing. So what I did was pre-record little mini shows that I'll be playing every day this week while I am out on vacation. My uh, vice host, Eddie Pence, also out on vacation. So you'll be getting little mini shows each day. It'll be a combination all week of some new things, some moments from the best of the first 100 episodes of the Ralph Report. And I hope you uh, have a little something, a little uh, audio appetizer for you to nibble on while I'm gone on vacation. Uh, I do want to make an announcement, however, because you know if you are a four-star general in the Garmy, then uh, every month I pick five names at random to talk to on the phone so we can hang out and chat and get to know each other better. It's been going amazing. It's one of my favorite parts of the four-star generals in the Garmy is that I get to speak to five of them every month on the phone. And sometimes we chat for an hour. It's We talk about anything, your life, my life, the show, uh, show business in general. Uh, we talk about movies, TV shows. Anyway, it's a blast. And so we have our list of winners for this month. These are the June four-star generals that will be getting a phone call from me so we can chat. Here are the winners. Lisa English. Shannon Anderson is also a winner. John Inlows, I hope I'm saying that correctly, John. Uh, Joe Little. Joe Little. It sounds like a, a mobster name. Hey, it's Joe Little. Hey, Joe Little. What are you doing over here? Where's Joey Big? And uh, Marek Dink- Dinkowitz. Oh, man, that's that's a harder one than Inlows. Marek Dinkowitz, I believe it is. So once again, uh, the folks getting calls from me for June, Lisa English, Shannon Anderson, John Inlows, Joe Little, and Marek Dinkowitz. I will be uh, sending out a little notice via post as well. So um, hopefully talk to all of you soon. On today's mini show, I wanted to thank everybody who has opened up their arms so graciously to my new vice host, Eddie Pence. He's having the time of his life doing the show and uh, hearing from you guys on social media and stuff. But a lot of you reached out to me when I added him and said, uh, who is this guy? How do you know him? Uh, what does he do? A lot of questions about Eddie. Uh, a lot of love, but a lot of questions. So I thought we'd take advantage of that in today's mini-show and give you just a little mini-interview with the man himself, my vice host, Eddie Pence. You know, when I first brought my vice host, Eddie Pence, onto the show, a lot of people said, who the fuck is Eddie Pence? <laughs> <laughs> and today we're here to answer that question. Uh, no, but seriously, a lot of folks, first of all, Everybody, almost everybody loves Eddie on the show. There's that one guy who fucking hates your guts <laughs> yeah, for some reason. Did you fuck his wife? I what must did have you done do something. to him? I must have done something horrible. He hates you. Most of, you, most of the Garmy's been very accepting. Garmy's so been very been... accepting, and they dig you, and they, they like the energy you bring to the show, and they want to know more about you. A lot of people reached out and said, we love Eddie, but who is he? We get little bits and interesting pieces about his life, about the fact that his first concert was Jack Wagner. <laughs> So we know at one point he was a, he was a con- sexually confused young man going to a Jack Jack I Wagner was, I concert. I was a mama's boy, apparently. Uh, apparently. So we're going to take a little time out of the show here and just have a conversation with Eddie, get to know him a little bit better so you can grow as close and as fond of him 
as as I have. It's probably more interesting in little chunks. <laughs> no, we're going to blow the lid off this sucker. There's not much in there. Uh, a little backstory. Be- Eddie and I met, I guess, once we started doing Hollywood Babylon at the Improv is when we met. No, I met you at Lovitz. Lovitz. Yeah, Lovitz. I guess it was Lovitz. Uh, um, but you didn't, I guess you hung out at Lovitz too, didn't you? We had a mutual friend, Gabby, right. who was um, assistant. Yeah, I'll back up. Uh, Gabby Zamora, who many of you know, helps me produce the Hollywood Babylon show every episode. She is in charge of all, uh, producing all the sights and sounds and, 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 you know, I, I give her sort of the raw materials and she whittles it and stitches it together into a show. And for a while, Gabby was also my assistant, um, back when Livy was young and we needed more help around the house and stuff. So, uh, long history with Gabby and Gabby is friends with Eddie, I she guess because love it. She, she used to be the booker, there. the booker and manager of the assistant manager. Before she of worked the, for you. Yeah. The John Lovitz comedy club. So I guess you met her because she would book you. She into would the book club. me, and I would hang out, and watch Babylon, and then uh, I was actually headlining a, week, a night there one night before you guys, and in the build up to the show, she I think asked you to put me on K Rock to ah, promote it. Gotcha, and that's how I met you, and that was gotcha. like five, six years ago now. And then uh, you know, every year uh, the Kevin and Bean show on K Rock does a comedy event where they raise money for charity, and they have a competition in the beginning of. The promotion for that event where they invite comedians to send in their reels and stuff and then the audience gets to vote on who they want to open the show and Eddie won that one year as well. It was the the first ever opening act. You were the first opener. First ever opening act winner. That was my idea, that contest. Was it? Yeah. Like many good things over on that show. That was my idea. (laughs) Thanks. So you're welcome. So anyway, Eddie started (laughs) hanging around watching Babylon and hanging out with me and Gabby after the show. He doesn't drink, so he would have water and then be our designated (laughs) driver at the end of the night. I sold t-shirts for you too. You did. You actually helped sell t-shirts. He's been just a, a good friend and a solid supporter of all things Garmy for some time. And when I needed a helping hand on this show, when it became painfully obvious that, um, although I enjoyed doing the show on my own, many of you said, you need someone to talk to. You sound so weird and lonely <laughs> inside the back cave talking to yourself. Bring somebody in. And my mind immediately went to Mr. Pence. Well, so that's a little that. backstory about why Eddie's here. Well, you're so good riffing off people. So people, I think, wanted to hear that. They just yeah, wanted I to suppose. hear you. And it gives me a chance to breathe and swallow, I yeah, found out. Actually. And maybe I can just say something about a story and that sparks something in your head and you can take in a different direction. And Anyway, we're having a blast and uh, I'm so glad that so many members of the Garmy are on board as well. So let's get to know you a little bit about your background. <laughs> what do you need to know? Well, don't laugh. This is this isn't a, this isn't a roast. No, I'm just, no. just people are curious. I'm curious. I don't know all that much about you. Um, you kid from Virginia originally, right? Yeah, I was born and raised in uh, Northern Virginia, Fairfax. Fairfax, right outside D.C. And your dad worked in D.C., right? My dad was originally a barber. He owned his own barber shop, and then that wouldn't wasn't didn't pay enough to raise two kids. So uh, he became a Capitol Police officer with the Capitol Police. That's a weird jump, very weird jump. But it was it offered solid pay and a right. retirement plan and all that stuff, as opposed to owning your own business. And yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so, dealing with that with the Ralph report yeah. right now. <laughs> so um, wasn't, he was wasn't a barber, and a barber shop didn't pan out. Huh? I'm surprised because yeah. barber shops usually do pretty well. Well, I think it was during that whole period things started going to like the hairstylist and the hair oh, salon. He was just I a see. regular old school with the twirly candy cane thing on the outside. Right, the barber, barber. pole, and yeah, you just come pole. in and just get a cut. He would just straight cut it. Was, shave <laughs> it around your ears and yeah. send you on your merry there way. There was like three different haircuts. That's oh, all you that's got. That's awesome. Pick pick a picture on that the wall. That was pretty much. You got the fade, the just the straight cut, and the buzz cut so as a cop in the senate you said uh he no, first he was dc capital police because oh, they, they have Cap- their own police force 
Uh, and then uh, he, they have their own academy and everything. Do you have to go yeah. through all that? To he get went it? down to Georgia, had his own academy. And wow. like, that's a whole thing. And uh, so he did that for my entire youth. And then once I went to college, he moved on and became sort of retired out of that and became a. Uh, he worked privately for a congressman, Congressman Gephardt. So he was like oh, a private security for that Dick guy. Gephardt. Dick Gephardt. Yeah. yeah, sure. He worked for him for years as a private detail, and basically sat in his car doing shift work for 12 hours a night in front of the guy's house whenever he had a death threat. Wow. And so he would just sit there and eat 7-Eleven burritos and put on like 40 pounds. So he was like a, like a <laughs> yeah. private eye secret agent. Sort of. Sort of. But um, more eating and less gunplay. Yeah. A lot yeah. more. Because, no, who who wants to take out Gephardt? Nobody. Uh, He's exactly. a sweetheart. So that was my dad and he did that. And then he worked in the Senate for a while after he got past that. And he has like a doorman at the Senate. Or security detail for the Senate. And it was just sitting in the, sit in the chamber, listen to the bills on the floor. Lazy-ass senators would come in and go, hey, Pence, how should we vote today? And he would give a thumbs up or a thumbs down. So my dad was basically making policy <laughs> for... He was a doorman making policy, telling guys how to vote because he was the only one who heard the bill. Because the senators and Congress, the how the reps and the senators, they don't sit there and listen to the bills on the floor being discussed. They just walk in at the uh, end when it comes time to vote. And they're like, what should we do? Up uh, or down? It makes me even more sad about the state of our democracy. That's how broken the system is. Uh, what about mom? Is she a stay-at-home mom? No, Did she work? Mom, both parents were mom worked at the Department of Defense. Wow. In, uh, in Reston, Virginia. You're like part of the deep state. <laughs> I'm part of the deep state. <laughs> I'm terrified of you she now. Was, uh, she was uh, the plane that hit the Pentagon on 9-11, flew over her building. No went way. Went the Pentagon. Ugh. And my dad and grandfather were both in the Capitol the day of 9-11, where people think that one plane that crashed was in on its Pennsylvania right? might have been going. Yeah. So it was a very that was a very scary day. Oh man! So uh, you're one of two kids. I got a younger brother, two years younger. Yeah. And so you're a kid in Fairfax, Virginia. What what's that childhood like? What are you into? Are you into sports? Are you into I was football? Played football. football? Uh, I was what a big position? In- quarterback. Wow. Big man on campus. We went uh, one and nine and three and seven. <laughs> so <laughs> little not, man on campus. Not the best quarterback. You were bringing home any trophies? <laughs> When did it first strike you that you wanted to get into the business of show? When quarterbacking was working. No, um, ever since I was a kid, like the the first stand up special I saw was uh, Robin Williams live at the Met on HBO. Wow, I think it was nineteen eighty five. Yeah, and I'd always been like a fan of like Don Knotts and Steve Martin and uh, Tim Conway on the Carol Burnett show. Like I sure. loved like classic those classic comedies, and uh, I'd always Don wanted Knotts. That's a Don call. Knotts. I loved that's a pull because uh, I from the Andy Griffith show. That and Three's Company. Oh, Andy Griffith sure. and Three's Company. And a lot of I time, think you're gay, Jack. And, and people called my dad Barney Fife. Oh, because right. he was not the, the, the most adept police officer. <laughs> there was one story. He no, was worried, in all fairness, he was a barber. A barber with a gun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one he's never gonna hear this story, but uh he was in the Capitol working one day and he had eaten one too many seven eleven burritos. Yeah. And shit his pants. No. <laughs> yeah, he crapped his well, he farted. Oh, it, he thought it, and was, it was, a was one of those. And he sharded, and so he's like, "Oh shit, what do I do?" He goes in the bathroom, washes out his underwear, right? Yeah, and then, uh, brilliant idea, throws the underwear in the microwave to dry. Oh my god! <laughs> it's like a minute and a half on the microwave. Andy, underwear's <laughs> in the oven, and the whole office just. Wet underwear smell. Stank of wet underwear. And uh, so he got the nickname Barney Fife. Wow. And, uh, so I knew law enforcement wasn't my calling at that point. Uh, did you think about a government job at all? Because no, in I, that area, I mean, I, that's I all went it was. to college with a buddy of mine who grew up in Annandale, and, and uh, that whole area is filled that's with all government employees. Like the suburbs, Fairfax, Annandale, old, like that's all people that work in D.C. 
and that's where they live. Right. It's yeah. Just that's they're all government jobs. And I I grew up with two parents doing nine to five government work, and it gave them great retirements, and they're comfortable now, and it's great. And I wish I had that at this point, but I didn't want to do that. Yeah. I was like, I saw that, and I'm like, I want to do something that looks fun. So you were turned on to comedy at a, at a young age. Yeah. And the, how does a kid in Fairfax, Virginia, pursue that? Then? I did. I had no clue. Yeah, I, I wouldn't imagine you would. I had no. I got out of college, and I'd wanted to do stand up comedy. And at the time, there was no stand up comedy scene in DC. At all. What what college did you go to? Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, yeah. and with a degree in communicate TV film. Oh, okay, that's what yeah. we all do. We, all we don't do. know. When we show business, we don't know how to get there. That's we're my no degree at, as well. We're no good at math and don't like reading that much. Exactly. That's pretty much what you do. So you come out of Virginia Tech and. You, there was no comedy. There was clubs? no comedy scene in DC. There was the improv there, but there was like now there's a great comedy scene in DC. But when I like 20, 25 years ago, there was nothing. So I just, I was like, I just want to go to New York, Chicago, or LA. And I got into film school in Los Angeles at Chapman University. Um, so I went there in Orange County for two years, got my master's in film. And while I was there, I was like, you know, I'm here. I've always wanted to do this. I'm going to start doing stand up. Hmm. Just jumped in. Um, open mics, the open usual mics, way? Usual way, just doing open mics, trying to... And you do enough of those, you meet other comics who book shows, and you start doing the book shows, and then you just... I mean, it's just... There's no... It's weird, because there's no right way to start. You just jump in and see where it takes you. Absolutely. It's just... It's a weird business. With a degree in film, do you still think about working in film as well? Do Do you want to direct or produce or write, or have you done that stuff? Um, I've directed, like, short stuff, like uh -huh. little videos and stuff that... I've put together over the years. I mean, I would I would like to direct, but I like performing. Yeah, that that's where that gets my juices going. You know, and you know, the life of a standup is brutal. Everybody knows that. There's been countless movies and TV shows made with that theme, but you've had I mean highs and lows. But you did the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. Yeah. You did some national television. I was stuff. on uh, Comedy Central. I did Late Late Show. I've done a couple <laughs> other TV. You did the Gotham uh, Live thing in New York. Gotham right? Live on Access TV. Um, I did the April. Foolishness thing with Kevin and Bean. I mean, like I've had a lot of highs. There's been lows, but there's been highs too. You know. Yeah. Um, you act. You act too, right? I do. Yeah. I like. I like. I like acting more than stand up. Stand up. Do you really? Stand up is fun, but I think acting is. Was acting what you wanted to do in those early days when you saw those comedians yeah. you loved? Like when watching Tim you Conway. Do sketches on and stuff. Carol Burnett and watching him break Harvey Corman was like that's like that's what I wanted to do. So wanted you, you wanted to do that more than stand up. Yeah. Then why did you pursue stand up? Cuz I didn't know again it was I got out here and like I like stand up comedy but I had I didn't know how to get into the other like sketch comedy, sketch performing. I didn't yeah, I just had you. no You weren't idea. aware of the groundlings or any of that no stuff. No idea. I yeah. came out here knowing nothing. Right, right. Well, like, we well, all do. Yeah. If I just got into comedy then I'll find my way through. Yeah. And stand up seemed like the most the easiest available thing to do. It certainly is um accessible you know you, you can do it by yourself yeah. you just show up and put your name on a sheet and you can actually do yeah. it it's much harder to get into a sketch comedy troupe or study improv with the groundlings or get into uh you know student films or things like that right. I mean, it, it takes a lot of work just to get just to up get and running in this town. and get the ensemble going i mean you worked at acme right you started acme that's where i jumped in yeah, yeah. i did the acme comedy theater which was a baby a troupe at the time they had just started it was a bunch of sort of uh, expatriate groundlings who had left yeah. groundlings because they weren't pleased with the, the way the place was being run. So they started their own thing. And they had one, only one company of people, a handful of people, and they were looking to add. And that's when I got in on the nice. ground floor, sort of. But that's where I met Adam Carolla. And there was a bunch of people who were coming up there right. at and that, that time. You, you just don't know. Like, those early things are what sends you on your way later. It's yes, just so absolutely. strange. That's what this business is so weird about. Yeah, if I hadn't done... 
And I did sketch and improv largely out of being tired of auditioning for film and television and getting nowhere and also tired of just doing scene study acting classes because that's just getting up in front of other actors and doing your scene. Everybody blows smoke up everybody's ass. I wanted to get in front of some kind of audience somewhere. So I said, well, I'll go do this sketch and improv thing. I didn't really have much interest or background in it, but I knew I would be playing in front of live people who weren't classmates. And that's why I started doing it. But that direction started me doing character voices and celebrity impressions and things that I did as a goof suddenly became professionally viable, yeah. you know. Next thing you know, you're on radio for 20 yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. You know? And then the radio thing was a complete fluke. I had no interest in radio, and then that's what I ended up doing. So you're right. I mean, you can end up on a path that you just you don't You just have no idea. That's the weirdest thing about this. Like most other jobs, you get a job, like, okay, this is the career track for this job. Yeah, you know what the next step's going to be. Comedy, you have, like, this business, you have no idea. Uh, what are some of your highlights in terms of film and television, um, other than being the stand-in for the Invisible Man <laughs> well, in the movie The Hollow Man? If you missed that story, Eddie had a job. <laughs> this is the state of his career. He was a stand-in for a guy that no one could see in a movie. That's foreshadowing. His career. Oh my lord, that's the best story I've ever heard. <laughs> Why would they even need a stand I, a stand-in for the guy that nobody know. sees? I don't know. It was my was wife. This a favor gift? Did, did someone? Was just, sort of someone a... just pad the, the the salary cap with your you're a you're pretty a, much that's kind of what it was. it was my wife tracy who you know she uh we have known each other since, she was an actress too right? she was an actress too we've known each other since high school wow uh we didn't da- we didn't start dating until we both moved out here but we, we'd been friends since high school and uh she was acting and modeling or whatever in virginia and there was like a little company there and her age and they were fi- they filmed hollow man in dc ah and we were out here and this was 1999 and her agent's like, hey, we need a stand-in for Elizabeth Shue and out here. Uh, do you want to come do it? We can get you your SAG card that way. And she's like, great, great. And then gotcha. uh, she, she asked about, uh, can Eddie come? Uh, he needs his SAG card too. Is there anything you knew? It's like, well, Kevin Bacon might, may or may not need a stand-in, but I'll, I'll get you on the call sheet. Um, so we both flew home, visit, you know, we from there. So we stay with our folks or whatever. Right, right. And then uh, we worked as local hires and... We both got her. She worked. She worked predominantly as Elizabeth Shue stand in the whole movie. So she she had a lot of work. I did not work much. Well, I can't imagine because they don't see him. Guy. They don't need to light a guy who's not there. And the the one scene he did have where he was driving before he turned invisible invisible was a uh, he he had to drive a Porsche like a real souped up nice like stick Porsche mm. uh, down uh, a busy street in D.C. I think over, probably over the bridge of uh, the Potomac and. Uh, of course, I lied and said, yeah, I can do that. I can drive a, a really sensitive stick on a high-performance sports car. You know how to drive a standard? I can drive a regular I can drive a regular stick, like on a shitty truck or oh, a bad car, but like those are so sensitive. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. And then I got in. I was just <laughs> like for five embarrassing minutes grinding while gears. the whole crew is standing around oh, watching me. what a nightmare. And I'm like, oh, I can't do you it. You wish you were invisible. Yeah. And so what had happened was I got relegated to uh, just extra work. But I was still getting my SAG cart. And uh, it got to the point where they had nothing to do with me. So they started, they had uh, they had a stunt man. Because there's one scene in, in the movie where this old guy gets pushed in the pool. And Kevin, the invisible Kevin Bacon drowns him in the pool. Um, but the stunt man had dark brown hair. And they needed to gray his hair. And the gray couldn't come off once it went in the water. So what they did is they experimented on my hair with the gray coloring. They used you as a test they, dummy. <laughs> was, I was a test animal. Oh. Uh, so they they patched my hair was gray and to see if it was waterproof and it wouldn't come out. And like, okay, well, we have to cut your hair. But you get a free haircut. And I was like, okay. So they gave me a, I got a free haircut out of the deal. 
Wow. That's my sad show Kevin business. Bacon stand-in story. But I got my SAG card 20-some-odd years Congratulations. ago. Congratulations. Thanks. You're a... You're a... I'm a survivor. You are. Your history of show business sounds so painful. It's... Most recently, if you guys are watching the, the commercial for DirecTV where they talk about no satellites and they cut to the guy in space, the astronaut who's working on the satellite, and he gets frustrated because they say there's not going to be any more satellites. And he goes, no, no, no. He starts pounding his wrench against the satellite. That's Eddie inside yeah. that suit. And he's the voice of that character as well. Beat the crap out of me. And he's got like a broken elbow now. And he's got bruises all <laughs> over his body from being jammed in a spacesuit and lifted over a soundstage 20 feet. Uh, yeah, I got bursitis in my elbow. But, we, but it's running nationally, so I can't complain. Dude. But it's been it's been a long, hard I've road. I've done a lot of acting. No one ever dyed my hair it's, or under, hit me or I, stuffed I, I, me in a suit. I got the shit beat out of me. This, you have. I've been trying for 20 years to break into this business. And I, I I, don't know why. I just can't seem to find the hook to get me in. Well, but I'm surviving, but I'm not in. Right. Well, that's everybody. Yeah. Everybody does that until they, they, they either get that thing yeah. or they don't get that thing. And I've always said uh, show business is... The world's biggest slot machine. It's just you keep pulling the handle. You keep pulling the handle yeah. and it comes up two cherries and a lemon most times. <laughs> but every once in a while you get mm, three bars, yeah. which gives you a little payout. And, you know, you're always waiting for that. Yeah. And I've had great things happen to me. I'm just not been all but like I, my sons watch me on TV perform right. stand up comedy. Sure. And yes. that you can't that there's no price you can put on. That's to see the look of pride he has on his face. If once I get off stay, I mean, it's just like you can't put a price on that. And you're also uh held in great esteem by other comics. I mean, I talked to other comics. They mentioned your name. They're like, oh, I love Eddie. He's great. And so, you know, oh, nice. Jamie Kaler and I were talking about you the other night. And he, um, it's just people know that you're talented and that you do good work. And like you said, it's just a matter of right place, right time yeah. and getting that break. You just got to keep plugging away. Uh, unfortunately for you, the Ralph Report is not that break. <laughs> But I do appreciate you whiling away your time while you're waiting for your break, spending some time It's here. fun. And you've introduced me or I've been introduced to, you know, 7,000 of your closest fans. So yes. it's been cool. And they're good people. And they uh, they have taken to you in a, in a mighty way. So um, it's a blast to have you on board and looking forward to many more shows. And, you know. I, I think I hopefully as you continue to do this, you will grow more comfortable and start coming up with things that you want to do or add to the show or ideas or sketches or, you know, it. this is still a work in progress. And the beauty of it is there are no rules. So we can do pretty much anything okay. we want and we're, we can try shit and fail. And I have. <laughs> I'm used and, to that. And the, uh, <laughs> the Garmy will let you know when you're on the right track or not. So. You know, let's hang out. Let's play and see what happens. Oh, I'd love to. I mean, I, it feels, you know, I'm coming into something that's established. So I, I just wanted to sort of ease my way in and not be too intrusive into what you have created. I appreciate but, that. And um, if you get out of line, trust me, I will smack <laughs> you down. But feel free to, uh, to 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 come up with ideas of the stuff you want to do or whatever. Let's, let's play, man. I would love to. Thank you so much, Eddie. And uh, now you know a little bit more <laughs> about the vice host himself, Mr. Eddie Pence. Thank you. Well, there you go. Now you know a little bit more about Vice Host Pence. And thanks again for being so uh, welcoming and allowing him to uh, join the show and you guys uh, open up your hearts to him. It, it's been great. So he will be off for the next two weeks. I'll be back next week with a brand new show. Before I go, I want to give a shout out to uh, a couple prized members of the Garmy as well. I told them I would give them a birthday shout out and uh, that time has come and passed. So I do want to once again say happy birthday to uh, Dan Alicata and his brother Jim Alicata. 
Uh, Dan is 24, Jim is 30, and I just, um, they've been amazing supporters of the Ralph Report and of the Garmy for many years. So I just wanted to give those guys a shout and wish them a happy birthday, belatedly, for uh, their birthdays last week. All right, that's it. I'm going back in the pool. But thanks so much for hanging out with me. More mini shows the rest of the week. And then Monday, July 2nd, I'll be back with an all brand new show. So come on back, won't you? Because I love you and I mean it. Bye.